Welcome to Steadfast Hope. I'm Stephen Lawson, president of One Passion Ministries. And four times a week, I teach through a portion of scripture to encourage you in your Christian walk. Join me now for this brief devotion in God's Word. Well, good morning. I am super excited for our study in the Word of God. Thank you for joining us. You've tuned into Steadfast Hope. I'm Steve Lawson. I'm joined by my good friend Kent Stainback. We're coming to you from Dallas, Texas, Herb's house. And I want to just dive right into this text. This is going to be so convicting for Kent, okay? It already is. is. This is everything my wife is expecting me to be. So um, you'll see Philippians 2, verse 3. The title of this is High Call, Lowly Walk. High Call, Lowly Walk. So verse 3, do nothing from selfishness. Okay, we could just stop right there. (laughs) Or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. So, Kent, um, the Christian life is uh, a strange paradox in that it's a life of polar opposites, meaning we must die if we are to live. We must die to self if we're going to live for Christ. We must give up our life if we are to gain life. Um, We must be poor if we're to be rich. Be spiritually poor if we are to gain the riches of heaven. Um, We must uh, be hungry if we are to be satisfied. Um, We must here humble ourselves if we are to be exalted. So the Christian life is really one of, of, of paradox. It's, it's, it's the opposite. I used to play with my kids the opposite game. I would tickle them. They said, Dad, don't tickle me. And I go, well, today's the opposite day. And if you say, don't tickle me, then that means do tickle me. And so they would go, okay, Dad, do tickle me. And so, okay, then I will. <laughs> so the Christian life is about opposites in this. And so, we entered the Christian life with a step of humility. We are to continue in the Christian life with a step of, or steps of humility. So, three things I want you to see out of this verse very quickly. Number one, what to refuse. What to refuse. He begins by saying, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. So, there is this negative denial of what we must do in our Christian life. So, you'll find it interesting, the word do is not in the original, and so Paul just starts this, nothing. (laughs) It's just very abrupt, uh, very emphatic. uh, Nothing from self, you know, selfishness or empty conceit. Now, here's the convicting part. Let's get into this word, selfishness. Um... It's a word that really, and I've got it in the margin of my Bible here, contentiousness. What causes strife, a a factitious spirit. Um, The ESV translates it rivalry, meaning a self-promotion that creates friction towards others. Uh, The word was first used, interestingly enough, in the original Greek, Um, related to Aristotle. 
as he would describe politicians who were promoting themselves in order to gain office and creating strife in the larger context of the region. And so it could be translated, the NIV translates it, selfish ambition, the King James, strife. I I think we get the idea. It's it's the idea of self-seeking attitudes that cause division. In other words, you're promoting your own agenda that hurts the common good and common unity. Uh, It can happen in a family. Um, It can happen in a church. Uh, It can happen in an office. It, It happens in relationships. You push your own agenda to the point you're creating strife for everyone else. And Paul says you need to back off because the unity is critically important. And this is, of course, assuming that it's not a a doctrinal theological issue that you're championing the truth. Um, You'll find it interesting. It's translated in chapter 1, verse 17, the very same uh, Greek word as selfish ambition. Uh, These other preachers in Rome who were preaching Christ out of selfish ambition. In other words, what they could get out of it. So I think we all need to really give careful thought to when we would be pushing something that creates contention or strife. He then adds, or empty conceit. And the word empty conceit um, really could be translated vainglory. These words are really a bit of a challenge to go from one language to another language. But the idea is you think you're something that you're really not. You have an inflated perspective of your own importance and and your own place. Um, In other words, you're thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to, to think. And at the root of this is really pride, a desire to elevate yourself above others, that your perspective is more important, your opinion is more important, your place is more important, rather than us seeking the lower place. Uh, Paul considered himself, for example, um, as a, um, a third-level galley slave, a hooperatos in 1 Corinthians 4, down at the lowest place, under others, serving others who are over me, rather than you going to the top and everyone else is under your thumb. So, that is what we must refuse. And and I think we all just need to examine ourselves because it's inherent within our sinful flesh. And we're going to fight this the rest of our Christian lives. And so that's why we need the sanctifying power of the Word of God, the convicting ministry of the Holy Spirit, uh, as well as input at times from others, like from a spouse or someone else, that you're just riding your high horse here. So that's what we must refuse. Second, what to retain. He says, but with humility of mind. It's the very opposite of pride. Now... We entered the Christian life with humility, did we not? No one struts through the narrow gate. No one, no one just parades into the kingdom. We all came wounded and, and crawling. Our pride was crushed. Our self-righteousness shattered. 
We came with humility, with an open hand to receive the gift of God. As we advance now in our Christian life, we need to retain this same humility with which we entered the kingdom. You remember the hymn, In my hands no price I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. That's how we must continue to live in the Christian life. Now, humility of mind, do you see that? It's just one word in the original language, and it just means lowliness of mind. It's a compound word, and it, it is lowly and mind, and you just put those two together, and you've got the word for, for humility of mind. Uh, it's just uh, a lowliness of mind. Uh, a lowly mindset, and it's referring to ourselves. Now, it's not talking about bad self-esteem. Uh, you know, I am what I am by the grace of God. We, we don't want to denigrate what Christ has made us to be by His grace. However, we are to realize that, uh, that the Christian walk is, a, every step is downward. We go lower and lower in humility as we live our Christian life. Uh, Ephesians 4, verses 1 and 2, very important. Paul says, walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. And the first step, he says, with all humility. Um, I need to hear this today. We all need to be reminded of this to be continually clothing ourselves with humility of mind. Let me give you some more cross-references. There's power in the Word of God, just even in these cross-references. Colossians 3, verse 12, As those who have been chosen of God, put on a heart of humility. The doctrine of sovereign election is the great pride crusher. The doctrine of unconditional sovereign election enables us to put on a heart of humility because we all are rendered to the point of why me lord well we need to remember this in the christian in our christian lives god chose us from before the foundation of the world he passed over others to set his heart upon us for no reason other than that that choice originated in god himself there was nothing good in us that drew god to, to choose us, it was simply his, his good pleasure. And so, let us remember that and clothe ourselves with humility. In fact, 1 Peter 5, verse 5, uses that very metaphor. He says, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Every morning when we wake up, we get dressed. We have to put on our attire for the day. When we wake up, we need to put on humility before we even begin the day. So, this is what we must uh, retain, is this mindset of humility. Now, I need to very quickly move to number three, what to regard. He says, regard one another as more important than yourself. The word regard is a mathematical word, and it just means to count or to calculate. So, we need to do the math on this. And regard or count or calculate one another, referring to other believers, as more important than yourself. So here's what we need to do. Add up the interests of others. Subtract your own interests. 
that equals what should be important to us. Add up the interests of others, subtract my own interests, and that leaves me with the bottom line of what should be important to us. Now, Kent, I'll just wrap this up. When I was in college a million years ago, uh, I remember I was so turned on for the Lord. I was so fired up for the Lord and so grateful for opportunities God gave me to, to serve him. Um, it gave me opportunities to speak and be in connection with other Christians on campus. And I remember the word joy was used as an acrostic, J-O-Y. And that acrostic, J-O-Y, stood for Jesus, others, you. And I remember just trying to adopt that mindset. I, I played football, and it was the total opposite, you know. I mean, it was all about me and everyone cheering for me. And then to realize, no, it's not about me. It's about Jesus, and it's about others. And I'm last. And so if we are to have joy, we must have this priority established. Jesus others, you. So, um, that's our devotion for this morning, Kent, and, and I hope we've got some good questions that we can consider. Well, it's confirmed you and Amy have been ganging up on me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kent, it, no, it's more than Amy. Oh, you, you got, it's more than yeah, Amy. Other people got it. Okay. Yeah. yeah, this is an interview. So, our listeners, all our right listeners are sitting come on, in. Y'all come on in. This is, this an is intervention. my counseling session. That's right. We all need to talk to Kent. We have something to say to you. <laughs> wow, that's, a, that's, that's unbelievable. What a great truth. Yeah, um, yeah. Steve, uh, a question. We've got a lot of good questions good. here, but good. We are you and we, we would call ourselves reformed, yeah. And we've been in the reform faith for a long time, yeah. And as you mentioned, uh, we should be more humble, uh, <laughs> yeah, than anybody. But why is it? And and do we find a lot of pride <laughs> in in reformed faith and in mature Christians? You know, I, I think in reform circles we have pride because we are students of the word, we've connected the dots, and we do know the truth that others have not yet come to know. But the pride is festered because we forget that it's God who has revealed this to us. Mm -hmm. It is God who has taught us and enlightened us and we think, I think subconsciously that, I don't know, we've figured out something that others haven't figured out, so there's an element of pride. That there, it also feeds the flesh in that we love to be right, and we love to win, and we love to win arguments. Uh, someone has said, if you can't afford to go to seminary, just pick an argument with a Calvinist, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and you'll get a seminary education. Yeah. So I, I think we all just like to win arguments and, and come out on top. And that's a part of, I think, uh, what we have to resist as those who are reformed in our theology. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So as a follow-up question, yeah. if we can live more like Paul is describing here, yeah. what is the result typically, generally, in our lives and the people around us? 
Well, I, I think humility is a low position, and so, number one, it produces looking up to the Lord in greater worship. Um, if you're not humble, you're dependent upon other props to prop up your worship. Yeah. yeah. Mood music and lights and smoke and, and, and all these other things. A genuinely humble person has no trouble worshiping God because he's low and he's looking up to God. Second, a, a generally humble person is serving others mm-hmm. uh, because you're not thinking about yourself. You're looking away from mm-hmm. yourself uh, to others. And, and so those would be the first two things that would c- come to my mind. And each one of us should ask ourselves, am I truly worshiping God and am I serving others? If so, that's the fruit of humility. If not, then you need to clothe yourself with humility and assume a lower Mm -hmm. position. Mm -hmm. Um. (laughs) uh, I've heard the story of one preacher after he preached was out in the lobby and a woman came up to him and said, Pastor, that sermon on humility, I mean, you made me feel this big. And the pastor said, oh, that's way too big for you. (laughs) No, you need to come down a little bit lower. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's easier to preach on it than yeah, it is to live. Yeah, it. sure. So, so question: You've been a Christian and walked with the Lord a long time. Yeah. Uh, studied the Word. Is it in your life easier now to battle pride and to be humble, or is it still is it still difficult? Is it is it? it it's still a challenge, and it's difficult every day, and. We, we will wrestle with pride mm-hmm. as long as we're on the earth so and, every and day. in this body of sin every day. That's why Jesus said, it's recorded this way in Luke 9, I think it's 23, we must die daily, take up a cross and die daily. And so it's not just the first step of entrance into the kingdom of heaven. It's every day and really <clears throat> it's every step of every day is a step of dying to self. Mm-hmm. And Kent, as soon as this Bible study is over, I can get my car and, and drive home. By the time I, I get home, I've, I've become self-elevated about something. Yeah. So I, I've got to continually mm-hmm. be resisting this. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't want people to think, well, I'll reach some plateau in my spiritual life and no longer wrestle with um, humility. It's a lifelong struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, two questions together yeah. here. Uh, in a non-believing family uh, or to um, unbelievers, yeah. are we to regard them? Yeah, um, sure. We are to love our enemies, Matthew 5. And um, there is a priority here about fellow believers, the one anothering passages in the New Testament and how important it is within the body of Christ that we maintain harmony and unity. However, this spills out into our relationships with, with unbelievers, um, and we are to serve them and posture ourselves not in pride towards them, but in lowliness of, mm-hmm. of mind. So, yes, this would be in, in a part of our loving our enemies. Just, just everybody. Yeah, That's our for, for everybody, but it Christians. starts at home. Yeah. Don't export it to the world. Right. 
until it works in the body of Christ. And is it harder at home sometimes? Oh, or? yeah. It's harder, I think, with those that we know well. Uh-huh. I'll just give you an example. When I go overseas and I'm, I'm in some foreign country for a week, hey, it's easy to be super saint. <laughs> Nobody knows me. Yeah. Yeah, if you knew me any better, you wouldn't love me, you know, as much as, as, yeah. as you do. It's kind of, there's a honeymoon period yeah. for the short-term missions. Mm-hmm. But if I went over there for five years and you got to know me mm-hmm. more than a week, yeah. You would see my flaws, you would see my, my, my failures, and that would be a challenge then for that person to love me, but I'm going to begin to get to know you better. Mm-hmm. And we know one another's mm-hmm. hot buttons, wow. and we begin to, to rub on each other. Mm-hmm. So it's the difference between a blind date and getting married. Yeah. I mean, I mean anyone's on good behavior on a blind date. Right. The real test is when you get married and you live with somebody, mm-hmm. well, by way of illustration, it's the same within our circles of Christian fellowship and, and in the church. And that's why we have to be especially conscious of not promoting our own interests mm-hmm. that create friction in relationships mm-hmm. towards others. Wow, that's good. Yeah. Great word. Yeah, it is. Well, Kent, is our time up? Time's up. I hate it when our time is up. But uh, tomorrow morning we have the men's Bible study right here at Herb's house, and it's open. So if you're in the Dallas area, you're welcome to come. It starts at 7 o'clock Central Standard Time. And um, we're going to be in a hot passage of Scripture. We're going through Romans verse by verse. Tomorrow is Romans 13, God and government. And so right now we're all kind of under the thumb of our own government. What's our responsibility to the government? Well, the Scripture is very relevant. And we're going to look at uh, Romans 13, verses 1 through 4 tomorrow. We'll find much relevant application for our Christian lives. So I'll see you tomorrow morning, 7 o'clock on live stream, and I'll be back Friday morning here at 8 o'clock on live stream. God bless you. Can't wait to see you tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Steadfast Hope. If this was helpful to your Christian walk, please leave us a review wherever you listen to this show. And if you want to connect on social media, I can be found at Dr. Stephen J. Lawson or at One Passion Ministries. Thank you for listening, and I hope you will join me again for the next episode of Steadfast Hope.